0: Hi, and welcome back to This Week in Voice, Season 3, Episode 14. Today is Thursday, February the 7th, 2019. My name is Bradley Metrock. I'm CEO of a company called Score Publishing based in Nashville, Tennessee. Our sponsor for this episode of This Week in Voice is Magic & Company, a premier agency that has helped many top brands find their voice. A diamond sponsor of the 2019 Lexa Conference, Magic and Companies, Ben Fisher, spoke on the necessity of marketers to be thinking about how best to represent their organizations in this new voice-first era. We recommend them for any company looking to create a voice experience or a brand extension within these nascent Internet of Things ecosystems. If you're listening to this show, you're part of a big brand, or you're not part of a big brand, you're just part of a small brand, small company, uh, organization looking to get into voice, and you need a little bit of help, uh, you could do far worse than talk to Magic and Company. They're based in Brooklyn. They do a phenomenal job. They've accumulated a very impressive list of clients. Um, Look them up. We've linked to them in the show notes. Uh, Hit them up. Uh, You'll be glad that you did. We've got a phenomenal panel today, Uh, really exciting. Our first guest is Catherine Prescott. Catherine, say Hello.
1: Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me on the show today, Bradley.
0: Catherine, thank you for joining us, uh, and thank you for setting this time aside. Uh, really impressed with what you've been doing. Share, share with me in the audience who you are, uh, what you do, um, and share with us about VoiceBrew. Tell us everything you're doing with voice.
1: So thank you, Bradley, first for your support. VoiceBrew is a weekly email that sends Alexa users one great use for Alexa that they might not know about. We also publish comprehensive guides on our website, covering things like routines, some of the location features, and other cool stuff that Alexa can do. Our mission is to help people get the most out of Alexa. Millions of people have access to Alexa-enabled smart speakers, but... The vast majority of those people quite simply don't know what to do with them. They are barely at the tip of the iceberg when it comes to what they are getting out of Alexa. And I want to help change that with Voice Brew.
0: So out of my curiosity, the name Voice Brew came from where?
1: I wanted a dot com and I wanted voice in it. So I ran Every voice plus four letter word through GoDaddy and brew, voice brew was the, you know, best option. And uh, it also kind of just I felt like it really worked well. And so voice brew, it was.
0: There you go. That's excellent. I love the name. It's great. Um, and what you're doing is great. Um, if, you, if you haven't seen voicebrew.com, if you're not subscribed to the newsletter, pause the podcast and change that right now. Catherine, thank you for being on the show. Our next guest is James Blahos. James, say hello. Uh, Hello, Bradley, and hello, podcast listeners. This is
2: James Blahos.
0: James, thank you for being part of the show with us as well. So share with us a little bit about your background, and you've got a very interesting project in the works. You've got a book coming out called Talk to Me. Um, Share with us uh, why you started writing it, what it's about, and when it comes out. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on the show
2: and happy to tell you a little bit more about myself. Uh, I am a journalist. I work for publications like the New York Times Magazine and Wired. I also more recently have become a chatbot and voice skill builder for my own personal projects, which I can get into at some point. Uh, I have been following voice very closely for the last four years. And it has culminated in my writing a book called Talk to Me, How Voice Computing Will Transform the Way We Live, Work, and Think. Comes out at the end of March. Very exciting. I'll tell you that the best type of book is a done book, one that you have finished writing. And the book is, it's really looking at kind of sky view at everything that's happening in this exciting emerging paradigm of voice. So it looks at the business race, this unfolding platform war between Google and Amazon and Apple to dominate voice as it comes out and sort of becomes the next big thing since smartphones, really. Uh, It looks at the technologies behind voice. Um, What is it that actually enables you to say something to Siri or Alexa and hear an intelligible and helpful reply? And then finally, it looks at how voice is changing the world, whether it's upending our traditional notions of privacy or finding new ways to get therapy through a voice chat bot. Uh, just everything that voice is doing to kind of change the social fabric of the world.
0: Excellent. Looking forward to reading it. Thank you for being a guest on the show. Story 1A, VoiceBot.ai, story of the week, VoiceBot.ai, phenomenal website for news and commentary on all things voice first, giving voice to a revolution. You don't know what that site is. Um, I don't know how you're listening to this right now. Spotify rides Google Home Mini to 11% increase in premium subscribers and acquires two leading podcast networks. What a spectacular headline. Story 1B is similar, uh, and there's two stories here. 1B is from TechCrunch, why Spotify is betting big on podcasting. This is some big news. Uh, Spotify sort of sits out there, out on the periphery, as uh, a company that everybody understands is important to what's going on with voice. But I don't know if a lot of people approach that understanding from different ways. There's all sorts of ways that they could add value to the voice assistant and smart speaker landscape. Catherine, I want to start with you. What was your takeaway from all of this news about Spotify? And what implications do you think that this news has on how this year is going to unfold in terms of uh, this growing competition to, to, to rule the, the the voice assistant and voice first space. What, what Share with us your thoughts.
1: Yeah, thanks, Bradley. Well, first of all, 11% growth in premium subscribers from Q3 to Q4 is absolutely phenomenal. That is huge. And I think this tells us two things. First of all, it shows how successful the Google Home Mini promotion was you know, shows you how much people want smart speakers. And it also shows us how much people want to listen to music on their smart speakers. This really does confirm what we already know, which is that music is the killer app for smart speakers. Um, But beyond that, I think this story brings up two more important questions. So the first is, why do people want smart speakers so badly for listening to music? And it's because it's the easiest way to listen to music at home. Uh, You know, my mom, who is somewhat tech savvy, has this whole harmony speaker system set up. But whenever we have dinner together, and she wants to play music, she, she can't figure out how to do it. So it ends up being me or my husband who end up you know, figuring it out for her. But with a smart speaker, it's so easy. Playing music by asking your virtual assistant, this is really the first time that playing music at home is as easy as playing it on your phone on the go. So this brings me to kind of the second question that this raised for me, which is, why does Spotify want people to have smart speakers? And I think, Bradley, this gets to your second question, which is that if it's easier to listen to music on Spotify, more people are going to spend more time listening to Spotify throughout the day. And this makes Spotify, and for that matter, all of the streaming services more valuable. So I think kind of just tying this all together, The whole smart speaker revolution is huge for Spotify and for other music streaming services. And, you know, lucky for all of us consumers out there, we could spend more of our days at home listening to all the awesome music that we love.
2: Yeah, I thought this was very interesting, too. And one interesting stat I saw was that, you know, people who pay for a subscription to Spotify are more likely to use a smart home speaker but i think the corollary uh, or the converse is also true that if you like a smart home speaker you're also more likely to pay for music so that's got to be one of spotify's interests is like if we if we reach to the people who like smart home speakers we're going to be reaching the people who actually pony up to pay extra which we we really really need so For them, that makes total sense as a way to get to the people they want to, and also just that you don't want to be left behind when a new platform is emerging and you're not the the go-to service on that platform. Then I was also thinking about this from Google's perspective. Uh, you probably covered this on the show in the past, but there's obviously a, a real estate grab that's happening here between Amazon and Google, and they just want to get their products out to as many people as possible. And uh, I was running some numbers. So it's $26 is how much it's estimated to cost to manufacture a Google Home Mini. Uh, If they were to literally give away free a Home Mini to all 126 million U.S. households, that would cost them $3.3 billion. And that would be about a sixth of their fourth quarter profits in 2018. So they actually could give these things away. The only reason you don't is it sort of makes your project product look inferior if you do but there's there's some incentive I would imagine from google's perspective like hey we'll we'll cut some deals to get these things out for low price or free just to get more of them out there and to occupy more territory in homes
0: it's an interesting observation, um, yeah, you definitely get the feeling like. If either one of these companies, Amazon or Google, could give these things away without the perception of zero value being then attached to it, they would. No, that's that's great commentary all the way around. I, I think um the day of acquisition for Spotify is getting closer. Um I don't think uh they're they're too important. Um, you know, I think there's a couple things going on here that stick out to me. Uh one big one is we don't really know. And when I say we, I really mean everybody. I mean, people like Gimlet Media and Spotify and uh, Anchor as well. You know, those are the two companies they acquired, Gimlet and Anchor. Um, you know, you follow podcasting enough and you start and you understand there's drastic limitations to the analytics that are in place, uh, the data on the people listening to the show, you know, podcasts and how long they listen to a podcast for and, uh, when they start and stop and, you know, how often they skip over ads. And if they replay part of the episode again, uh, if they share it with a friend, um, we don't know any, we, we know almost none of that. Uh, the only exception is Apple, um, has got some new analytics that they've installed, but those are very limited um they're limited uh, primarily by uh, the operating system uh for you have to have an iOS device uh and then not only that it has to be of a certain uh version number of the operating system and, and that's that's all that they track uh some advanced metrics for otherwise we don't have anything but what we do understand from a basic standpoint um and what we have a good feel for at this point is that the people who are listening to podcasts are generally higher educated generally wealthier um, and that's what that's what makes this interesting from this M&A standpoint you know you're seeing this consolidation of Spotify you know grabbing these two important podcasting companies um, and and really consolidating their their play on the space and uh, if you're Amazon or Google um, or anybody else and you and you want to be appealing to uh, an audience that skews um, in the direction of having more money to pay for Amazon Prime, having more money to spend on Google AdWords with their business, having more money for this or that. All of the other benefits aside for how the smart speaker interplay would work, uh, you got a, a litany of reasons. And so I think the big takeaway for me is that this now makes Spotify a must purchase company for one of these big players. Um, any closing thoughts on that? I listened to so many Gimlet shows, Startup Reply All, the Pitch,
2: and, you know, I can just imagine that Spotify wants to, you know, wh- what people listening are listening to is what we want to own. And there's also possibly there's the, the intellectual property play. Uh, if some of these uh, shows like Homecoming get made into television shows or movies, it's, you know, podcasting is still a relatively small business. Uh, You can acquire this content relatively on the cheap, and it makes you much bigger down the road. So there's this notion that Spotify is, you know, wanting to become a more fully-fledged entertainment company.
1: James, that's a great point. Um, And Bradley, given your role, it's great to hear your thoughts on this too. Um, I think there's Another interesting question that these acquisitions raised for me, which is if you're walking down the street and you're listening to something and it's not music and it's not a podcast, then what is it? It's probably an audiobook. Um, Audible, of course, is totally dominant here, but I think it will be interesting to see if Spotify's next move or a future move um is to acquire an audiobook app i guess we'll have to wait and see
0: story number two from the verge you can now listen to an interactive choose your own adventure audiobook with alexa this is an interesting one um and uh i remember meeting with this company uh behind choose your own adventure at a conference that we went to and um this is a while back. It's probably nine to ten, nine or 10 months ago. And they had alluded to the fact that something might be happening with, with Alexa, but they couldn't really discuss it. James, I want to start with you. What stands out to you about this? You are uh, finishing up a book um, about the space, um, which supremely qualifies you to have uh, some interesting thoughts on this. You know, I, I, it, you could have views on you know, how all sorts of authors might bring their content into this space. You could have views specifically on this partnership with uh, between Audible and, and Alexa and Shoes Co. Um, I'm just interested to hear your thoughts and what stood out to you the most uh, about this piece. Well, I want to start with uh, my ultimate
2: qualification, which is that I read Choose Your Own Adventure books like Journey Under the Sea, Space and Beyond, Edward City, uh, hours and hours and hours when I was a kid. Uh, So I saw this headline and I instantly felt sort of this childish sense of delight because I had so much enjoyment from those, those books. And as far as doing this through Alexa, it actually makes a ton of sense because, you know, this is uh, unlike so many, skills and actions which sort of imply a level of functionality which isn't actually possible given the state of, of technology with dialogue systems, um, this is something that's really, really doable. You know, you you read a long passage. You reach a clear decision point. The listener knows, like, you know, essentially I'm going to choose A, B, or C. It's It's just something you can pretty easily program Alexa or any dialect system to do. So first off, it's going to work. Like they can, they can do this. Uh, and I mean, one thing that kind of ran through my head, though, is like, okay, I love these when I was a kid. Now, how much as an adult, like would it be quite as fun as it was then? Um, you know, as a kid, you don't have a lot of power over much in your life, so it's cool to get to steer something. Uh, It it would be very interesting. I know there's been a lot of experiments with interactive fiction, but how much does this translate to, uh, you know, titles and ideas that are not necessarily kid-oriented? And it's actually, it's funny that this comes up, like literally in the next two weeks, I'm building an Alexa skill for my book, and it's going to be talk to the author of Talk to Me. And one of the things I want to have as part of that is a way to, you know, get uh, excerpts from the book in a somewhat interactive fashion. So there's there's clearly something appealing here, whether it's in getting to, you know, dictate, you know, either the reader or listener has a way to control the way, way that the story goes, or this idea that you could have, you know, the relationship of sorts directly with the author of your favorite books, you hear his or her voice, uh, they actually speak to you. There's, a, there's an intimacy there that, you know, for as long as interactive fiction has been out there sort of percolating as a notion, the idea that now that the tech is here to make it happen and kind of I can speak right in my listener's ear, uh, it's, it's just intriguing all around.
1: Well, first, James, I loved what you said about the story giving you a childish sense of delight. I totally agree. Um, when I saw this headline, my first thought was, I wish there had been interactive fiction when I was a kid. Um, you know, for me, what I like most about this concept is it takes a familiar experience, like reading a story, and makes it more multi dimensional by adding Alexa. And, um, you know, Bradley, what this reminded me of was the St. Noir board game that X2 Games debuted at the Alexa conference last month. That took the familiar experience of playing a board game and really elevated it by bringing in Alexa to facilitate the game. Um, So that's one thought I had. Another is just in general, It's great to see another really high quality Alexa skill come out. It's great that they're using professional voice narrators. That makes a big difference. Um, And I wonder if this is something that people would be willing to pay for, this type of content. Um, You know, maybe there's a model where you charge for the first book in a series and then you unlock other books or um, something along those lines. But in general, I think the more monetization opportunities there are, the better skills we'll start to see.
0: No, that's great. Yeah, and uh, great uh, great to link that back to what uh, X2 and, and Nolan Bushnell and company are doing because I do think there's a lot of parallels there. I, I think um, it, it's fascinating to see the realization within publishing. And when I say publishing, I don't specifically mean the publishing you know trade publishing industry by any means i mean the broad universe of people in organizations and companies publishing content in any medium it's interesting to see this realization going on one bit at a time that voice assistants and smart speakers and the 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 AI and the machine learning that sits underneath them the implications it has for content you know there's there's a lot of learning that has yet to be done on what types of books can lend themselves to a interactive um, you know version of it you know obviously fiction. Any, any fiction title could to some degree, you know, you could take um, Star Wars or you could take The Martian or you could take um, any, almost any fiction, you know, work, you know, some work better than others, but you could, you know, with some sort of creativity and skill, create a uh, interactive version of that that could live on Alexa or, or Google Assistant or, or whatever AI, you know, voice assistant you're using and you could charge more for it. It could be a premium thing. You could you could charge uh, microtransactions for hints, like a, a video game. You could um, have uh, downloadable content that expands that further. Um, you could do you could play with that in numerous ways um, that could add a lot to to the bottom line of uh, companies publishing this type of content. And and I would even go so far as to say you know, it's interesting to hear what you were uh, describing, James, on this Alexa skill you're going to put together. Um, you know, there's a lot of monetization opportunities there. You could choose to just make it free and have it be a marketing device just to get something out there and, and to sort of um, enhance the credibility of the, of the project, you know, by having an Alexa skill alongside this book talking about voice. Or you could monetize it further. I think there's a lot of interesting opportunities to, to take this further in nonfiction as well. So the bottom line here to me is that, um, you know, there's uh, choose your own adventure uh, brings up a lot, kicks up a lot of nostalgia. You know, James, you touched on that and um, I love it for that reason. But uh, the reality is that if people aren't paying attention, they are missing a very important trend um, in content that is that voice assistants and smart speakers are making possible.
2: I think the only other thing to say, and maybe I touched on it already, is, you know, you can think about this as a new way of storytelling and, you know, branching narratives and user directed and all of that. And there's a degree in satisfaction for the listener for that. But the other thing to not overlook is that aspect of of intimacy, that it's just a different, closer, more personal way to relate with, with the author of a book. And maybe in some ways, and it's going to depend on the type of content, like maybe dry nonfiction content is not going to be the best application for a voice skill, but something that's more personal or maybe thriller is just something where you really sort of want to feel that like, you know, the storyteller is sitting there right with you, the listener, like that those are the areas where content creators should be thinking when they're
0: thinking of, of voice skills and voice applications. Story number three. Google Home's assistant could soon know you better than you do. So one thing right off the bat, it's just interesting, and this is CNET, uh, which has done some phenomenal reporting on voice. Um, It's just interesting to see, uh, you know, people call Echo devices an Alexa. You know, people uh, can sort of conflate all these different terms. And even this article is calling it Google Home's assistant, you know, which is a little bit cumbersome. But, Catherine, I want to ask you, um, what are your thoughts on Google Assistant versus Alexa and even some of the others, Cortana, Siri, whoever you choose to mention? Um, I guess it's sort of the um, assumption, at least it's my assumption, that Google Assistant is being successful in this sort of this brand positioning that uh, Google assistant is smarter than any other voice assistant. It's going to reach this inflection point of truly being something we can call AI driven faster than any of its competitors. Um, Google has a very unique data set that they're leveraging properly to get there faster this article sort of assumes that as well. Is Do you agree with that? Um, do you think that that is what's going to carry Google Assistant uh, and, and make it um, as competitive with Alexa as it should be and continue to steal market share? Or do you disagree and you think uh, you know maybe that's a little bit overplayed? What was your reaction to this headline in this article?
1: So clearly, both Google and Amazon are highly committed to the space to Alexa and Google Assistant. Um, One funny but very telling point that stood out to me in this uh, story is you have the CEO of Google issuing bug reports to the Google Assistant team. That's pretty amazing. It shows you how important Google Assistant is to Google. And I think just overall, it's an incredibly bullish sign for the whole voice industry. I think on, you know, your question of Google versus Amazon, if virtual assistants are going to differentiate themselves based on artificial intelligence, Google probably has the advantage. You know, they already use artificial intelligence across many of their businesses. Google probably knows you better than any tech company out there. It's got your search and browsing history, your email, calendar, locations. Um, Amazon, on the other hand, they know what you buy, but they don't have all of that other information. Um, Although I think importantly with Alexa, they are starting to learn a lot more about you. Um, You may have seen... It got, you know, a, a bit of play uh on Twitter, this Benedict Evans blog post on Alexa, where he made a really good point, which is that with Alexa, Amazon now for the first time has their own endpoint with consumers. So they're in your home. They're not just relying on Apple or Google phones to house an Alexa. Uh, an Alexa app or an Amazon app. And this is highly strategic for Amazon. So when it comes to Google versus Amazon, I think we're currently in the land grab phase. And, you know, we'll have to, you know, see where this all leads. It'll sure be interesting.
0: I would have loved to have seen that, except that that individual has been rude to Brian Romley on Twitter multiple times, so I blocked him. Uh, But uh, anyway, uh, (laughs) that's uh, I did something I very rarely do, but uh, I'm I'm sure I'm sure he made some good points. Uh, James, your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I, I thought the headline of this article was more provocative in some ways than the actual content, but the. You know, Scott Hoffman was sort of the, the featured subject, the vice president of engineering for Assistant, um, and he did you know a somewhat longer and somewhat more candid interview uh, with CNET than you typically see. And you know, one thing I thought was interesting was, I mean, it's it's actually it's a notion that I've been hearing people at Google talk about for at least the past couple of years. And it's the idea that sort of historically, you know, Google as this company that helped you find out about the world, you know, the whole search engine thing, and that the company as a whole was sort of reorienting or at least augmenting to be becoming a company that helped you find out about you. Like, instead of the outside world, it's your world that we're now becoming an expert on. And, you know, the first time I heard it, I just thought like, oh, it's just kind of a marketing slogan or whatever but then it sort of sinks in. And of course think, Oh yeah. You know, like Catherine was saying, they, they know everything about me. Uh, they, they really, they really do. And in some ways I'm just speculating, but it feels like they they almost have to float some trial balloons on how much do you want us as a company to be helpful to you in ways that leverage our deep understanding of you personally. Uh, and it's, something you wouldn't want to rule out, uh, roll out too quickly because it would trigger people's privacy concerns. But there's, there's just obviously a massive amount of, of data that's, that's out there. And, yeah, that is, uh, I, I don't know if I would 100% agree with Catherine that they have, um, you know, the edge in AI. Maybe they do, uh, but they do have, I do agree that they have the edge in that type of data and, and they can use it in very helpful and powerful ways.
1: Yeah, I'd love to um, follow up on James's point around you know is Google going to struggle at some point with with this question of you know am I comfortable as a person who uses Google with Google knowing me so well um, and you know I think that one thing that Amazon has going for it from a consumer standpoint is that understanding this is a simplification. Amazon makes a margin when I buy something on Amazon, at least on most of their products. Of course, there are exceptions. You know, they're, they're profiting from their customers. And I think this creates alignment between Amazon and customers in terms of who Amazon is accountable to. And I say this understanding that Amazon probably is collecting data on how people are using Alexa, using it in other parts of their business and doing all of that kind of stuff, but Amazon's retail business is a smaller part of Amazon than it used to be, but it's still pretty important. And with Google, that logic and the alignment between Google and someone using, you know, Google Assistant or a Google Home Hub, you know, it's a bit more complicated.
0: The, the thing I think about with this is, it, you know, it's just, it's going to be interesting to watch uh, you know, Google and Amazon, and then, you know, Samsung is making big moves. You know, Cortana has sort of carved out its, its own identity. It's sort of sitting out there in a non-threatening way. But, you know, Samsung, Google, Amazon, and then Apple, if they decide they want to participate uh, in this ecosystem, uh, which right now they're having a lot of problems. How long are all of these companies going to be able to play nice with one another? Uh, they've played nice with one another so far, but, you know, uh, Google is, it, there's so much at stake with a company being able to say that they've got the best and most functional and most intuitive and most secure and whatever superlatives you want to lay on it, AI. Um, and uh, the more that Google starts to advance on that brand positioning and, and that uh, way they want uh, the consumer to understand what they're doing, Um, it will be interesting to continue to watch, uh, among everybody else, Amazon's response. But, uh, I thought that, that commentary was great. We can, we can leave that there and move, move on. Story number four, smart speakers currently being tested in Disney's yacht and beach club resort rooms. So shameless plug voice of hospitality summit taking place Tuesday, June 4th, Dallas, Texas. Um, a lot of different use cases going on and that's really what piqued my interest with this to include it in the, in the news of the week. Um, no doubt. There's a lot of functionality here. Uh, the article was not the best article I've ever read in my life, but it, it did sort of paint this mixed bag of, of what Disney was doing. James, I want to ask you, n- number one, your thoughts on just Disney doing this in general. Um, but number two, Looking at the broader picture, um, if you had any thoughts on if this is the inevitable conclusion for hotels and resorts to have smart speakers in the room, you know Marriott's done it. Several other hotels have done it. Disney's now doing it. Is there anything in the way? I mean, are privacy concerns going to get in the way, or is this just going to be? We're just going to hear more and more and more stories about this until it just becomes a foregone conclusion. What are, What are your thoughts?
2: well i'm thinking the latter i think it's a foregone conclusion it's if if a, if a smart home speaker is a an appliance that people are used to having in their you know home environment and especially if it's sort of a a nifty one that they think of you know it's not a toaster it's a it's a flat screen television it's something cool that you want to have around then it, it just seems obvious that it it becomes an amenity. And especially since, you know, they're not, they're not that expensive. Like there's, there's really not much of a a hurdle in that way to put them in hotel rooms. Uh, Disney is certainly not the first hotel chain to sort of roll this out. I think right now when hotels do it, they make an announcement because they want to be just seen on the front end of, you know, we offer everything that a guest might want. And so the only thing that, kind of tickled my imagination was with this one was thinking about Walt Disney himself his dream of a great big beautiful tomorrow his epcot city of the future and that that he was such a futurist and you know, really believed in the you know none of the dark side and all of the positive transformative side of technology so you would have to believe that this would be a move he would approve of
1: So for me personally, when I travel, I really miss having access to a smart speaker for stuff like the basic stuff, weather, playing music. The last time I stayed at a hotel, I kept finding myself, you know, almost saying, you know, Alexa, what's the weather or, you know, whatever. Um, So I would welcome this in my hotel room. I think in general, smart speakers in hotel rooms make a ton of sense You know, there are lots of questions that every hotel guest asks, like, what's the Wi-Fi? When does breakfast start and end? What's the checkout time? You know, you could turn the lights on and off, change the temperature, um, turn on music, maybe even order room service. Most people have to call reception for these things. But I think it would be a better experience for the guest and certainly better for the hotel as a business to have virtual assistants handling some of these things instead of, have, instead of people. Um, and, you know, of course, Amazon, you know, is, has had Alexa for hospitality team focused on this for, for some time.
0: The article doesn't mention it at all, but there's another thing going on here that I think is worth throwing out for discussion if, if you all have thoughts on it. And it's sort of this rising notion of audio branding um, and voice branding. Um, it's interesting to think about, you know, uh, I, I, what I really think is an ine- inevitable, inevitability is, you know, being able to talk to a smart speaker uh, soon um, where the voice is Mickey Mouse. Or something like that and you can talk to mickey mouse and ask mickey mouse uh, when is my bus getting here to take me to the magic kingdom mickey mouse or uh do you have uh you know is uh i'll be dating myself by talking about captain eo (laughs) do either you know what captain eo is i'm gonna put you on the spot Uh. (laughs) <laughs> you have to Google it real quick. Yeah, it was the, uh, the film it, in Epcot with Michael Jackson in it, of all things. Oh, uh, great. Thanks, <laughs> uh, nice uh,
1: reference. Yeah.
0: yeah. When it, when, and we, and, uh, we just took uh, our, our son to Disney World last year with, with my parents, and so this is top of mind. I don't, I don't know if Captain EO was still there. I don't, I don't remember. But, uh, you know, what, what are the different uh, kingdoms? What are the different restaurants? What are the different things we can do, Mickey Mouse? and have Mickey Mouse, not Alexa, not Google Assistant, not nameless, faceless voice, not a celebrity narrator, not anybody answer those questions other than Mickey Mouse. And it just sort of underscores every business has got, uh, maybe not to that level of brand association that Disney's cultivated over 50 plus years, but every business has got an optimum, you know, an optimal, um, Brand voice branding um, situation, um, and many of those will involve um, maybe it's a founder you know talking and being the voice. Maybe it's uh, a, a specific jingle that isn't well known, you know, like uh, Intel bump, bump bump bump, you know, or whatever you know that gets incorporated. You know, there's all sorts of audio stuff that can get mixed in to these experiences. This article doesn't touch on it at all. But that's something I find fascinating is how quickly we're going to get to the point where the tools exist and the capabilities exist and the the want to exist to where, um, you know, companies and people even are exerting that level of control over the voice experience. Um, That's that's what comes to mind with me for this. Uh, Any any thoughts on that or any closing thoughts on the story itself?
2: That's something I agree with you wholeheartedly. Uh, it's something I write about it in the book, and it just it's obvious, right? Like, Papa John's doesn't want its voice experience to have the same voice as Domino's. So customization seems inevitable and highly desirable. Now, of course, right now, if you use a recorded voice, uh, you can get that. You can you can have an actor. You can have any voice you want, but that, of course, gives you that huge limitation of you know you've got a script. You it's it's expensive. Uh, you got to bring someone into the studio. You have to record every single conceivable thing that you think you want your your voice application to say, um, and you know that can be done. And especially by if you're a Disney, maybe that's not even that big of a hurdle, but the. Next step would be if you can have some kind of TTS, text-to-speech, text to that is nonetheless a, you know, sounds like a distinctive real voice that suits your brand. And, you know, some of that is going to be coming to, um, both of you might be familiar with this company, Liarbird, that does voice clones where, you know, you, you train it on samples of real speech uh, they famously did it with Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, and Donald Trump, and then you create a voice profile, and then just with standard TTS, anything that's written as words can be output in a voice that's recognizable as, as those people. So I'm, I'm just guessing we're going to see more and more of that, uh, because if all you've got is sound, you want that sound to be as distinctive and unique to your brand as possible.
0: I reference Lyrebird all the time. Uh, great, great co- company, great site. The thing that amuses me about that is, is, uh, I don't know if the website is still the same, but it used to have a huge legal disclaimer at the top, <laughs> you know, um uh, because obviously their technology is pretty, um, you know, they wanted to make it as abundantly clear as they could that these people didn't say this. <laughs> right. Um, and, uh, you know, yeah, it's a fascinating, uh, uh, that's a great reference for that. That's it. That is where we're going. You're you're right. Is you know, uh, Disney can pay the money and 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 pontificate on every potential scenario and plan for that. But what really needs to happen is this this stuff has to be dynamic and it's got to be a TTS model or something like that. And yeah, that's going to be uh, fun to watch, Catherine. Any other thoughts on that?
1: Nothing from me.
0: All right. Well, we're going to move on to story number five. Business Insider. Five surprisingly helpful uses for Alexa right now, and someone we know well wrote this. Catherine, thank you for writing this article. This is phenomenal. Um, I want to start with you. Obviously, Um, I love the way this is written. You did such a great job. Um, I, I like the 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 way it's broken down. It's actionable. It's insightful. These, these are truly things that you know most people don't think about and um, unless you're following it closely would just go right on over your head. Uh, why'd you write it? Um, what has the response been? And uh, how'd you put it together?
1: Well, first Bradley, thank you so much. Let me start by saying again, most people who have Alexa enabled devices aren't getting nearly enough out of them. And it was the same thing when the iPhone first came out 10 years ago. Early on, no one used third-party apps beyond some very basic things. I remember when I got my first iPhone, thinking that the flashlight app that I had downloaded was, you know, such a novelty. And in retrospect, it's funny that this is the feature that I thought about. But over time, people learned that you could do a lot more than surf the internet, listen to music, make calls, send texts, and look at maps. And as users learned, developers started creating amazing apps that totally elevated the smartphone experience. But this took time, and with the adoption of any new platform, there has to be an education process. So With Voice Brew, I'm trying to spread knowledge on how to use Alexa beyond the simple things that people already know about. And my first crack at this was the Voice Brew 22 best uses for Alexa right now, which is a post that I published in early January. And that post got a really positive reaction in some ways, a surprisingly positive reaction, which really showed me that there was a need and a desire for the type of content that I, you know, have been writing. Um, And for this Business Insider piece, I picked five of my favorite everyday uses from from the list.
2: Well, Catherine, I mean, it just makes a huge amount of sense that you're doing what you're doing because... So many people don't really know what they can do with, with Alexa and with a virtual assistant. So, you know, education in a way that's actually very quickly actionable, you're doing, you're doing a great service there. And the one that jumped out at me, it's number one, but the whispering to Alexa, because as you both know, there's that whole broader, the social stigma factor of people who don't like to talk to virtual assistants in public, or don't want to disturb people, feel awkward talking to a device. Um, I just think that's it's important if there are ways to more covertly do this. And I've, you know, seen as much as research involving, you know, small sensors on the throat where you don't even have to. This is something that NASA was looking into. You don't have to even whisper; you just sort of mouth the words. And they can be translated into words, so um, you know that that Alexa or a computer could understand. So that's an important direction to go in. Um, and then it, I did also like the uh, the wake up routine uh, on your article here, Catherine. And maybe just because it's the, uh, the Otis Redding Pandora station was <laughs> how you get the pep in your step in the morning. Uh, yeah, but that's a that good a one. Very cool suggestion.
1: Thank you, James. And thank you for your kind words. Um, you know, for me, one of the biggest surprises um, in terms of my own use of Alexa has been how much I use Alexa to buy stuff on Amazon. It's just so easy. And I also, it lets me avoid the sort of mental load of having to remember to get the thing by just buying it on the spot when I realize I need it. Um, And, you know, I think that right now, it's great doing reorders across all of your Echo devices, but you really need a show to evaluate things that you haven't bought before. You know, no one wants to listen to Alexa reading out a list of options. But I really do think that when people have, when more people have Echo devices with a screen, there will be a major inflection point in voice commerce. So that will certainly be interesting to see in the future.
0: Catherine, James, thank you both very much for being on the show. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you for sharing your experience and expertise with us. It's greatly appreciated. My pleasure.
1: Thanks, Bradley, for having us.
0: For This Week in Voice, season three, episode 14. Thank you for listening and until next time.